Welcome to the Office Space Podcast with your host, Dougal Jeppy, where he and his guests discuss relevant topics that are affecting occupiers of office space. I recently moderated a panel for HERMAC, which is the Human Resources Management Association of Chicago. The topic was around return to work, and the panelists included a labor attorney from Smith Amundsen and two seasoned HR consultants. I've taken excerpts from that panel discussion and had them included in this podcast. We cover areas like vaccine mandates, communication of policies, HR and facility tools, as well as real life examples of what other companies are doing to manage a return to work. This was recorded on May 18th, shortly after Illinois moved to the bridge phase. I hope you find this conversation valuable. The first question is from Mike Hughes with Smith Amundsen. Uh, how has your firm and your clients handled mandates on vaccination requirements and return to work policy? I kind of break that up into two different things, either the mandate to return to work as one part and the mandate to uh, have vaccines, uh, and, and our firm has not mandated vaccines. Um, uh, but you know, let's talk about returning to work and whether employers legally, I'll, I'll kind of talk from a legal standpoint, whether employers can legally mandate that their employees return to work. And, and really here, the short answer is yes, you can. Um, and, but you need to be mindful of certain things. So, um, if an employee, uh, is saying that they can't come back to work for some reason, if it something that uh, is a uh, disability related um, issue because they maybe are have a susceptibility to contracting the, the disease or because they can't get vaccinated because of a condition uh, and there is a uh, the nature of your workplace is such that they they may um, have to work in close proximity with people you may have to work out accommodations with respect to allowing that person to either work remotely setting up a either a remote workstation uh, when they are back to work so they don't have to work in close proximity with others. But in general, businesses at this point can mandate that uh, employees return to work. Someone who is just has a fear of returning to the workplace, not because of any disability they may have, but they just don't want to come. They're scared of the virus because of what they're hearing in the news or anything like that. That's That's not going to be enough to be justification for them not to return to work. If it's just a, a fear that's not based on uh, the the realities of the workplace where they work, um, and you know those people who refuse to come back to work risk um, forfeiting un unemployment benefits if their job is open for them to return to, and they are not returning to work for that reason. Um, so those people wouldn't necessarily be protected under the under the um, unemployment uh, uh, benefits rules in Illinois specifically. Um, so that's kind of the, the issues around mandating a return to work. Um, if somebody does, however, have a, have a, uh, a good faith basis for saying the employer is not doing enough or isn't doing the things to create a safe work environment. Um, and in, you know, they're not doing social distancing. They're not mandating masks. You know, that's going to, that's all evolving over obviously the last 24 hours too here in, in Illinois with uh, the announcements yesterday. I'm not gonna get into that right now. I know we will get into that, but if an, if you are, if an employee has a good faith basis for believing that your workplace is not safe, 
then under OSHA, they may have uh, you, you may they may have a retaliation claim if you terminate them um, for not coming back to an, what what is considered an unsafe work environment. Um, most businesses have been following. Uh, there's been so much guidance in the past about the parameters in different uh, industries about how to properly uh, maintain social distancing, masking, uh, hand washing stations, cleaning protocols, things of that nature, that if you're following the CDC guidelines, you're generally going to be considered to have a safe work environment and then employee would not be able to uh, have a good faith basis for not coming back under those circumstances. So uh, those, those OSHA implications uh, likely are not going to be an impact in that situation. Um, so that's kind of as far as mandating return to work. As far as mandating vaccines, that's a different question. Um, and there's EEOC came out in the end of December when the vaccines were kind of starting to really roll out and gave some guidance about mandating vaccines. And in, typically in the past, the only places that really were allowed to mandate vaccines were uh, healthcare facilities um, where people were working with susceptible people um, and you could mandate that your employees as a, uh, as a standard of what their job is, one of their job functions is to not uh, pose a direct threat to other employees or to patrons would have to be vaccinated. That kind of carries over now here because COVID is, is not just something that people who, um, you know, it's obviously it's it, it highly, in, highly infectious, especially to those who are not vaccinated. Um, we've seen that play out over the course of the last year. So the EEOC guidance really gives employers the ability to say, as a condition of employment, and as one of your job functions, we don't want you to pose a direct threat to others, whether that's your coworkers or our patrons. And so we wanna mandate that you're vaccinated. Um, it, there might be some situations where you may have to justify that as, a, as really showing a direct threat, um, but EEOC guidance was such that it didn't come out and say, yes, anybody who's unvaccinated poses a direct threat. So you still should probably undergo some analysis of your workplace to see that uh, in the nature of what you're doing, the nature of what you're, how closely your employees work together, uh, how much close contact they have to have if an unvaccinated person working in your workplace would pose a direct threat. Um, provided that you can show that, then you can mandate the vaccines. Now, you also have to allow accommodations to people who may not want to be vaccinated because of a disability, because of a religious belief, uh, or because of pregnancy or something else. And so while you can mandate vaccines, when you start asking questions, and let's say you have a vaccine program, let's say you're going to offer it on site, um, and as part of that, they have to fill up a questionnaire. That's where you get into some issues because asking those questions on a questionnaire, uh, you are eliciting uh, health-based information. And if, they, if you're eliciting disability type information on those questionnaires, which typically those do, then you really shouldn't be doing that as an employer. Um, and if, and so that's one thing, you're getting yourself into an issue if you're gonna have a program on site or if you're bringing in a company, you contract with a company to come in and do it on site. Um, 
if you make it voluntary in that situation, that's fine. If it's voluntary that they're vaccinated and voluntary that they ask, answer the questions, um, you can do that. If you're just saying, we want you to show us proof that you've been vaccinated, um, we're gonna require vaccin vac vaccination for you, to, for you to come to work. Then in that situation, let's say you're just saying, you get it elsewhere, you're not the one asking those questions. So you're not asking those disability-based questions. Um, and that's a, that's a better way to do it um, without asking the questions. Now, the question becomes, if somebody says to you, I'm not getting vaccinated, um, what do you do? Do you ask the next question? Why not? Uh, no. <laughs> and, that's, and that's again, where you get into the issues of asking those health-based questions. Um, you have to allow a reasonable accommodation to somebody who doesn't want to get uh, a vaccine based on a disability or a uh, deeply held religious belief or other uh, pregnancy or, or, or the like. So in those situations, if you, uh, if you do have a program or even if you're asking people, you're not, you don't have a mandate to get vaccinated, but you want them to show you proof of being vaccinated, um, whether they are or aren't. You can ask that question whether they are or aren't. You can ask them for proof, like that little card that you get when you get your vaccines. Um, you can ask for that. But again, if they say, no, I don't have it or I'm not going to get it, um, asking why is then a question that tends to elicit uh, disability information. So you, you run into that issue. If someone comes out and says, I'm not getting it because I am undergoing some sort of treatments that, that conflict with the vaccine, so I can't get it. Now you've got an obligation to reasonably accommodate that individual, whether that's allowing them to work re remotely, um, allowing them to mask and social distance, um, requiring others in their area to mask and social distance, other things that you can do to reasonably accommodate that individual who is not um, gonna be vaccinated because of a disability, uh, because of a religious belief, or because of pregnancy. Um, and so, our guidance really is make it voluntary, encourage, encourage, encourage your employees to get vaccinated. Um, and you can do that by, with the new guidance coming out over the last 24 hours in Illinois, um, if you are going to relax some of your masking provisions for those who are vaccinated, um, and you ask what our firm is doing, I just got an email within 10 minutes of getting on this from uh, our uh, managing partner, I don't know if you saw this, other, but my office where I sit is going to relax masking uh, for those who are who are fully vaccinated, uh, even in common areas. So you can use some of those things as kind of an enticement. Now you can't say we're going to give you um, a bonus or things because then if somebody doesn't qualify for it because they have a disability, you've got some other issues. You have to either give them another way to earn that bonus. Uh, or just make things more of a kind of de minimis, like they don't have to follow the mask mandate or, um, you know, something else that's, that is, you know, it may be a small gift card somewhere or something along those, those lines, but nothing that is really going to be seen as turning that from an incentive into a mandate. Um, what strategies have you seen uh, put into place for return to work communications? Are you seeing companies add CDC guidance into their strategy? Definitely. They're using the CDC, they're using OSHA. And what I'm seeing is they're focusing on, to Shazia's point, making their employees feel safe when they come into the office. So a lot of communication around 
helping them get comfortable, helping them gradually transition into getting into the office. Uh, and they're using a lot of different ways to do this. So um, we're seeing employee surveys, surveys being used to uh, gather information anonymously on how much of their employee base has been vaccinated or employee surveys about people's feelings about coming back into the office and getting so that um, companies can get their arms around that. What we're seeing is pretty transparent communication in some companies where they're constantly, they're having, um, you know, town halls on a regular basis with their employees and asking their employees to speak up. I have one company where they're at, at the beginning of COVID, they asked employees who had COVID to share their experience. So if they were comfortable with that, so that others would, you know, pay attention to the significance of this pandemic. We have, um, but I think the companies that are doing it right are regularly communicating with their employees around safety issues, comfort levels in the office, what they're doing. I have companies that aren't allowing employees to come back into the office until they've taken some kind of safety training. And so they have an online training program that they, um, employees must take before their badge is reactivated to get back into the office. And a lot of these communications are being driven by HR facilities, safety, safety or security people, if they have them. So they're kind of agile, an agile committee that's working on communication to keep things up to date. Um, I had one company where the leader was really shocked that employees were willing to talk about their emotional well-being on some of these uh, town halls, which was very surprising to him. But people were feeling isolated and lonely. And so they've, uh, you know, communication is also working to help alleviate some of that where they they're playing games online during town halls and having uh, activities that help people feel more connected to the organization. Um, so there's lots of different ways. I mean, uh, what I've heard is some smaller companies are gonna stay closed until uh, the end of the year. I have other companies where they're starting to come back right now and they're staggering uh, employees return to work uh, employees can voluntarily come in. Again, some of them are requiring to take safety training to come back to the office, but they can voluntarily uh, come in. We have found that about, uh, so the research shows that about 60% of employees do wanna come back to the office. So I think that's encouraging. That's a, a really good start. I've also found that um, with a couple of my clients, we've gone to um, putting putting in place old school suggestion boxes across the office space. Um, sometimes people just need to jot a thought down and stick it somewhere versus emailing and surveys sometimes just get lost in the in, in, in boxes. So we really wanted to encourage folks that are in the office to just, if they see something, write it down and ask a question. Um, and that way it's, it's very anonymous. Um, I also have another client that created a anonymous Google whiteboard um, where people post questions and other colleagues can jump in and you know, their HR team can jump in as well. Uh, so, and as well as the CEO and the, and the president. So, um, it's nice to have different anonymous avenues is what I've found too. 
Um, tell me how you're seeing HR and facility, facilities partner on tools and our new policies being formed. Um, no, absolutely. Um, I think you hit especially the cleaning, right? Working with our janitorial services, whether it's outsourced or if you have in-house janitorial services, what are we going to do for added cleanliness? And while the CDC has maintained that, you know, it's very rare for you to get um, COVID off of surfaces, it's optics, right? It makes people feel more comfortable if they see someone who is walking around and cleaning door handles and light switches and surfaces that do our high touch. Um, in general, not even just COVID, but other germs, right? Flu season, colds, coughs, things like that. It's, it's definitely maintaining a healthier and cleanlier environment, wiping down um, conference rooms and chairs um, throughout the day. You know, we have uh, a client that does definitely schedule, you know, three times throughout an eight hour period where someone is walking through and just cleaning, you know, the kitchen area a little bit more. Um, just, uh, it, it makes people feel more comfortable that that's they're in. Um, I've also seen, you know, um, areas where there's signs now that we've placed uh, working with facilities and talking about um, capacity in a conference room. If you had a conference room that used to seat 12, now it's 50%, maybe six. And, you know, we've maintained signs um, and, and put those up with little stick figures like, you know, max capacity is six people or four people or two people here. Um, and that's, it helps people instead of just cramming into a conference room like they did previously, that they're still maintaining um, some distance. We've also seen, um, you know, uh, kind of, I guess, especially in kitchen areas, kitchenettes, you know, um, this is the way you enter, this is the way you exit. So those are more some tactical um, things that we've put in place at client sites. Thanks, Mike or, or um, Monty, do you have anything to add there? I've uh, there's that wellness certification that I've had a couple clients get for their buildings or their facilities, and that's a good way to make your employees feel comfortable and assured that they're coming back to a safe, safe place. Um, one of the things I talked about with a colleague recently was around uh, employees being required to clean their own workstations, take care of their own workstations. And then one of, one of my clients is requiring their employees to bring their own, own keyboards to work so that they, they um, come and go with their own equipment into the workplace so that the uh, client doesn't have to worry about keeping it clean that particular part, the personal equipment. So they're coming and going with their own, own equipment. Yeah, I haven't seen anything like that, bring your own keyboard, but that, you know, I, that makes sense, at least for the guidance that was given before about the contact um, uh, transmission. Um, it, but again, I would lean back on communications and, and to uh, Shazia's point, um, some of this stuff is done not as we're learning more and more there's things that we were doing in the past that might not be effective or have an effect but the more you're doing the more your employees are 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 aware that you're trying to do everything you can to keep them safe and have a healthy and productive workplace it helps with morale and so if you are doing things i would implore you to make sure your employees know the things you're doing so if you're having overnight cleaning going on um, but employees can't see that, you know, why not let them know that? Uh, why not have the, uh, I know in some offices and, and 
in, including ours, if your office has been cleaned overnight, they leave they leave a little placard there that says it's been it's been clean. If you haven't been there that day, you leave it. If you have been if you've been there, then you remove it. Then they know to clean your office. And when you come back, it's it's there again, so you know it's been done. Um, so a lot of this can be um, it carried out in such a way that you're you're letting employees know that you're that you're taking their health and a healthy workplace seriously. Um, whether it's you know whether it's re replacing the HVAC system uh, or putting in higher filtration, you know, let them know in some way that that that, that stuff is going on and has gone on. If that's going to help them be more comfortable coming back into work, um, then then that's that's a benefit. I think the other thing is that um, how do you go? How do you get away from it? You know, if you have this enhanced cleaning, you know, at some point you're probably not going to want to be doing this as an employer forever and ever and ever, but your employees are, you know, seeing that, Hey, they're no longer cleaning. They're no longer, you know, cleaning the light switches, doing this. We no longer have to bring in our own keyboards. Um, I think there's going to be a transition out period uh, of this too, where employees either are saying, Hey, we're not comfortable. You're stopping doing this. You need to keep doing it. Um, or it just becomes kind of the norm and why not have a clean workplace anyways? Uh, there's other things out there other than the coronavirus. So uh, it, that kind of remains to be seen. And maybe Dougal might see this with, you know, what, what tenants are requiring from the building services or office services or things on an ongoing basis, even when this is, you know, kind of no longer at the top of everyone's mind. Uh, have you seen evidence that employees are scattering? And how do you handle employees leaving the state? whether approved or unapproved, and any insight into where people are migrating? Yes, well, we did have at the beginning of this, a lot of employees who went home. So we did see employees leaving. Leaving, I had employees who left and didn't notify anybody, just left. Um, and then were wondering, you know, why they weren't getting their paycheck properly, or they it, it opened up a lot of issues for the HR team, as you can imagine, when they leave in and they're living somewhere else and they don't notify, but that's calmed down a bit. Um, we have, um, I had some companies who actually helped their employees return home if they had younger um, employee uh, population and they thought it was a good idea for them. So they actually helped them transition home. It was a good way to keep track of where they were. Uh, out of all of this, we did see a lot of employees um, we had some companies had layoffs and during this time, but for most part, my clients are reporting they had very low levels of turnover. So there wasn't much turnover. So there wasn't much turmoil around people leaving companies. And I think the big thing that's changed for a lot of companies is that now they're going to revisit their work from home policies. And um, I had one uh client that told me that they always required their employees to live in the location of their offices. They're changing that policy. They're now going to let employees live and work from home if necessary. It'll be a good recruiting tool for them. That works for them. They're a professional organization where em employees can work from home, but it's a major shift for them as a, from a policy perspective. Um, I'm seeing some some of my smaller clients, if their employees are not required to be in the office, they're, they're closing the office and having a 
once a month collaboration meeting in a location uh, that they've rented or provided for. So they're thinking about using that process through the end of the year and evaluating it at the end of the year and seeing what happens and then bringing people back to work. Other companies are staggering employees. First, you know, some employees want to come back, they're letting them come back. Then by Labor Day, you're seeing a lot of companies. Uh, that's kind of the time when they're thinking people should be back in the office, a lot of my clients. So um, they'll go through the summer. They've initiated summer hours. I have some clients who are going to keep summer hours. They had a Friday summer hour. They're going to keep it through the end of the year and see how that works so that employees aren't pressured to come back if that's possible for them to do from a business perspective. Um, and so we're, I'm seeing policies being created to help adapt people and get people used. To, they want them back, but they want them to get be comfortable coming back. And so they're kind of slow rolling it through the end of the year with certain milestones where they're gonna start pushing people back into the office. Um, one of my uh, clients created a policy where they talked about people who have to be in the essential people in the office and then people who um, can work from home and they're dividing them up and there's going to be some issues with that as they roll that policy out because of course you know everybody wants to be able to work from home a little bit so they're going to sort of see how that goes for them uh, going forward. Um, other policies that I'm I'm seeing it are around um, care of employees in terms of, uh, I have clients who think the employees have been working really hard when they're working from home. There's no break for them. And so uh, they're putting um, limits on how the employees send out emails. These are employees who really, these are companies that care about their employees in a way that they're worried that they're under high stress. So I have one client who said it was quiet during COVID and now they're overwhelmed with work. And so they're trying to ease the workload for employees. So um, putting out the CEO put out a note that after 7.30 at night or before 9.30 in the morning, you should not be sending out emails. So just kind of helping employees ease back into this crazy workplace situation that we have going for us today. So those are things I'm seeing, just um, kind of agile uh, policies around how we're gonna get employees back into the workplace full time. And one thing that employers sometimes, and certainly employees fail to, fail to consider is the tax and other legal impl implications of working in another state from where, you're, from where your job is. Um, and so uh, probably over the last month and a half, people have, uh, you know, filing their taxes realized that, oh, geez, I've got to file in two states now when I, when I wasn't even thinking about that. Uh, but also employers, to the extent you have, and, and this is probably why Monty's client had a rule where you worked in the state where you're rendering your services, is because work comp needs to be paid in the state where the employee is working. Uh, unemployment insurance, you, you were under that state's regime as well. 
Um, and then your payroll tax withholdings, uh, different states do it differently, but many states require that you as a business register there um, for payroll, per payroll uh, withholding purposes and you're paying the payroll withholding taxes to that state. You may have an obligation to do so in, your, in the state where uh, your offices are as well for that employee. Um, so there's, there's all kinds of issues from not only uh, tax, uh, but other, other statutes such as unemployment and, um, and work comp where you're gonna to have to be mindful of the state and perhaps local issues, rules, regulations, uh, and you are then subjecting yourself to jurisdiction there for those types of claims in those, in those remote areas. So things to, things to consider, things to talk to your accountant about, uh, likely um, if you're going to uh, allow this on a you know, kind of larger scale for a number of employees. And you may have employees then who are in Florida, who are in Montana, who are in Arizona, who are you know, decided, you know what, I have a lake house in Wisconsin and I'm not paying for that and here. So I'm just going to be full time there. You may have many, many states that now you're going to have to register in, uh, be on the books for work comp, unemployment and all that. And, um, and if it's wholesale, you may not want to do that. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Office Space Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll catch you next time.